0: Hello everyone and welcome to Cricket Unfiltered, the News Corp Cricket Podcast. I'm your host Andrew Menzel, in the Tim Payne Studios. They were the Steve Smith Studios for a very short amount of time but I'm in the Tim Payne Studios and I have with me two excellent cricket journalists and they're too modest to admit this but I've got Ben Horn and Pete Lawler here and I would say... Two of the best cricket journalists in the country, the best connections, the best insights, and so we are thrilled to have them. So, welcome to the show, Ben. How are you? Um, I'm good, thanks,
1: Manus. Yeah, um, looking forward to talking some cricket after you know a few weeks of trying to hide away from it all.
0: Well, I saw you get in trouble by an AFL player. I'm not sure what you got in trouble for or why, but he he wasn't happy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um,
2: they're Making look, friends wherever you go Ben. Yeah. I'm yeah. saving well, information with it. Yeah. yeah, I
1: don't know much about AFL so yeah, I'm coming from a very low base of knowledge and sometimes you can
0: get things wrong when you don't know what you're talking about.
2: Don't know much but you know what you don't like. <laughs> yeah. Is that right? Yeah.
0: <laughs> and the other panelist is of course Pete Lawler from the Australian.
2: How are you Pete? Oh, not too bad, yeah. Like Ben, I've been trying to avoid talking about cricket for about a month, but anyway, it's good to be back. I'm mm. feeling the vibe again to be honest, Andrew. You feeling the cricket vibe? Yeah, I am. Yeah, I'm getting excited. I'm going away in a couple of weeks. It's one day tour. Which oh, is heading off to London and the
0: UK. Lovely. Mm. Lovely. Yeah. Is
2: Lovely. yeah. Is it, yeah. See what? how manners sort of
1: separated them as two different things: London and the UK, and the rest of yeah. England.
2: Yeah, that's that's <laughs> very very wise. Are you going to both places or just one? Yeah, no, no. I will be leaving London, unfortunately. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I did see someone put in Ireland with in, with the UK when talking about Ireland recent foray to test cricket but they are their own country just mm. want to put that out mm. there mm. are now, we going to talk about that later we might do who knows yeah, with okay. this show who knows but let's start with yeah. you pete you yeah. wrote some really interesting pieces on tim payne last week you caught up with him in tasmania how was that
2: uh that was good actually yeah it was good to get away from the noise of uh cricket and just see where he was at take his pulse he's a very impressive bloke tim payne and I think he always has been an impressive bloke. It was uh, I was actually talking to Chapel during the week, Greg Chapel, and, and Tim sort of sparked this, but Greg said Tim Payne would have played in, under normal circumstances, played a hundred tests by now. And Greg was a guy who basically earmarked him, got him into that T20 team, uh, liked what he saw, and then when Tim was about to leave, one of, this time last year, Tim Payne was, had given up cricket. He basically made the call to go and work for Kookaburra and move to Melbourne. But uh, Greg Chappell was one of the voices saying, mate, can you just hang around? And uh, gee, look, hung around and he became the Australian captain. Yeah, Greg wow.
0: Chappell's one of the silent forces in Australian cricket, isn't he? He doesn't speak a lot in public, He, but he does wield a lot of influence. You know, everyone talks about the coach or Pat Howard or Trevor Holmes, but Chappell does do a lot behind the scenes, doesn't he?
1: He does. I mean, yeah, he's... Well, there's only a couple of selectors left now, and he's one of them. And, um, yeah, I I I, I always like listening to his opinions on the game. He hasn't always been the most popular figure amongst state cricketers, it must be said. But, um, I, you know, I like Greg Chappell's thoughts on the game. And, um, yeah, with, with Mark Waugh gone from the panel... Um, he could be playing an even more um, significant role.
2: State cricketers didn't like him, did they? Because they always figured that he was the champion of the uh, of potential. You know, he, mm. he wanted to get people in while they had potential and before they'd proven them themselves, that was the perception. But in the past, well, in the summer, I think he we he proved that he, he's got more strings to his bow. I mean, the very fact that he backed Payne and the sorts of people that they brought into the team, like Sean Marsh and, you know, they brought in older guys as well. So I... I think that's been nipped in the bud a little bit, that Chappell's mm. obsessed with uh, adolescent cricketers. And I think it was viewed
0: as a little bit of a sort of reflection on how his career path started. He, he was so young when he was thrown into mm. the side, he thought that was the best way to go for other players. There was something in your article, that Tim Payne, that really struck me, was that he couldn't look at his own baggy green for a while because he got yeah. so annoyed. I found that really insightful.
2: Yeah, it's interesting isn't it? Cuz I've always had this I've always wondered with the guys that play one test or two tests and say gee, wouldn't it have been better ne- not to have played a test at all because you basically get the experience and then it's taken away from you. And that's where Tim was coming from wasn't it that he played the four tests he made his debut with Steve Smith at mm-hmm. Lord's against Pakistan in 2010 but by this time last year Smith had played 50 tests and was the captain of Australia. He'd played four and was never going to play another test again. He was basically going to give up cricket, wasn't he? So that hurt him. He said it didn't bother him when he was going through the finger operations, seven finger operations over seven years. He says, but when he finally broke through it, you know, like when the finger fixed up and he came back to cricket... And he just didn't have it anymore. That's when it really hurt because he knew he would never be wearing, or he thought he would never be wearing that baggy green again and stuffed it in a box. Like looking at pictures of an ex-girlfriend or something. I've only ever been, had one. Oh, so so romantic. I know. Well, we met when we were very young and um, I'm that sort of guy. So am I,
0: (laughs) if if you'd like to know. Um,
2: Hi, (laughs) Sue. The other
0: thing I wanted to raise about Tim Payne (laughs) Uh, this podcast has gone off the rails already
2: yeah i wanted to raise some things about him too but you know you you're running on. On the shop no, no, no. you know what i really liked about him yeah that uh gorgeous family bonnie and miller i mean i'm a bit of a sucker for babies their daughter miller is so cute um he got home i mean because that was kind of the theme of the article wasn't left holding the baby but when he got back from south africa where he'd been left holding the baby i.e the cricket team um, his wife went to Bali for 10 days and he was left with a 10 month old daughter so it's the Australian captain and his daughter are just hanging around in the suburbs you know having baby chinos and playing in the TP um, some readers got up me for spelling TP TIpi that is actually how you spell that brand of, uh, that, that there are some that's one way of spelling it and that's actually the brand spelling too so this could be the TP room by the way <laughs> or week warm, whatever you want one thing that struck me is that about
0: Tim Payne, that we, we all want him to do well and we all like him, and we all, he certainly has the qualities of leadership. But great players like Adam Gilchrist have said it is too much being captain and wicketkeeper at the same time and being able to, you know, you have to concentrate on your batting as well. So you've got three jobs captain, a wicketkeeper, and a batsman. It's just too hard. So why do we think Tim Payne can do it? Well, he
1: has to do it because there's no other choice. Um, you know, maybe in a you know perfect world, you wouldn't have the wicketkeeper as captain, but there's no one else that can captain the team. And um, I don't think anyone's suggesting that Tim Payne is going to be the captain for the next five years. For example, I think they'd be hoping that in the next couple of years there's a younger candidate that emerges. Uh, and there's a bit of a succession plan, but you know, it probably isn't ideal. But Tim Payne clearly has the, the best credentials to
2: do the job, and, um, and he has to do it. Well, I've just got a text here from MS Doney. Oh, yeah? Yeah, he wants to, qu- he's not quite sure about what you're alleging. <laughs> he, he seems to have pulled it off all right in well, free forms.
0: Okay, all right, MS. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> well, well, now MS can do it. it
2: it's, a tough, it's a tough job, and it was interesting, but Gilly was a pretty intense guy. And he captained the first three tests in India in 2004. And by the end of the second test, he was falling apart. Distress really got to him. But I think they're different personalities. And I think one thing that Tim flagged very early on was that he would be looking toward the coach to carry a fair bit of the role. That he was mm. going to keep he, his role pared back a little bit. And I think CA will be very conscious of that. And Justin is the sort of guy, Justin Langer, uh, is the sort of guy who will want to... Shoulder some of the burdens that Tim That the captain may shoulder So it, it depends on your relationship with your coach too And that's why um, Dizzy wouldn't have been the right coach Because Dizzy is, while very good at his job And a great bloke and all those things Hi Jason um, He's a bit more stand back let the, let the captain and the team run themselves I mean I'm sure he could have changed But he, doesn't, he, he believes in delegating And that's not quite what we need, we need all sh- all, Australia needs all shoulders to the wheel um, ben and I will be contributing a little bit here and there, won't we? <laughs> you know, what he well, does. are you on Where's this the review? First are you I've, on this review? No,
0: I've sent my application in and no one's got back to me.
2: Haven't got a phone call
1: yet. But, I mean, I think with Gilchrist, you know, he had Ricky Ponning. I mean, while he was doing the job, there was still Ricky Ponning there. If he was living in a world where there was no Ricky Ponning, um, he, he may have felt a bit more uh, bullish about doing the job himself. But I think, you know, Gilchrist is a very modest guy and it just didn't feel like he was the... The man to do the job, but I think the necessity of the situation that Australia's uh, that Tim Payne's confronted with means that he'll he'll just sort of I I get guess on the worry
0: it. is that one of the facets of his game doesn't well, it suffer his average I, I, I'm, forty with the bat in Tet's cricket since he came back. You now we don't want yeah. it to look I'll be surprised
1: suffer. if he plays much more one day cricket after this series that's coming up now. Um I don't think that part of it's ideal. I can so see who why he takes that job. I can see why they're doing it for this year.
2: I think Gary's well, going to be the World Cup captain.
1: No, no, the World Cup keeper. Oh, and Finch will mm. be captain. And well, that's
2: what I mean. Well, who's going to be captain? Finch, Finch. Oh, I'd Fincher probably owner. be
1: going for someone else, Mitchell Marsh. Mitchell, Mitchell Marsh. Marsh
2: is going to be the World Cup. Yeah, I, I'd probably be. That's more likely. Mm. But good luck getting it off of Tim Payne. He's going to he's going to have squatters' rights. By yeah, then. look, if he if yeah. Tim
1: Payne performs really well in this one day series, then clearly you know it's going to be it's going to be his spot. But He's got to have a good series because Alex Carey's a very talented player who's coming through and someone that they've signaled that they want to start getting games into. So um, you know, I, yeah. I, I I think performance is going to be important for Tim Payne in the one day side sort of things. Well, it's no
2: secret that they actually wanted Carey to keep in this series, didn't they? Before mm. before all the changes happened, mm. you know, until JL had his voice and said, and, and oh, it, "No, that's not going to happen."
1: And I've got to say, I, I was slow to realizing this, but um, but it, it's. It makes it's it's very good sense to have Tim Payne as captain for this series because it is the start of something, and to have Payne and Langer together, I think makes a lot of sense. But I'm just not sure how you know unless Tim Payne hits it out of the park, I'm not sure how long he'll be playing one-day cricket for.
2: Yeah, well, yeah.
0: And just lastly, before we leave, Tim Payne, Pete, how deep are the scars from South Africa
2: with Tim Payne? Yeah. I don't think they're that deep with Tim, to be honest. I think he'd only been in the team for a brief time. I mean, he's good mates with Smithy. He's sensible. He's older. He's Tasmanian, so he's not prone to emotion. <laughs> Sorry about that, but they That's tend right. to be like that. They're very practical people. The scars are very, very deep in the team and in the culture of the team and you know the, and the way that they, they will advance from here, well, everything you can be referenced back and will be referenced back because I'll be the guy referencing them, but uh, those scars are really deep and will last a long time. So generally... What do you di- reckon, Ben? I don't know.
1: Oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, this... Yeah, I mean, the, uh, well, you've got 12 months until uh, two or three of the key players come back, and then I guess you've got another couple of years on top of that with, with them settling back into the team and whatever happens from there, so... I mean this is a this is a huge thing for the entire generation of cricketers who are
0: playing at the moment
2: mm. Mm. yeah, and uh i the England is not going to be kind yeah that's going to be interesting the yeah. what the
0: crowds give to our players and how they
2: receive it yeah. they'll get what they deserve, but um I think
1: yeah. the fact that Smith and Warner won't be there um that will help that will help yeah. yeah i mean the the sort of um you know, the, 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 it's a good team that Australia's taking over under the circumstances, but they're missing a lot of stars. I mean, they're missing Stark and Cummins as well. Um, Mitchell
0: Marsh, there's a lot of players missing from this team. A lot riding on the performance with the World Cup in England next year. Now, next bit, of we're going around the news, uh, Ben, and, and Ben Scoop's horn was added again since the last podcast, revealed to the world that Mark Wall was stepping down as a selector. But one thing, in the story you wrote that it is a blow to Cricket Australia. Do you really think it's a blow? Because I would disagree.
1: I do, yeah. I think um, it's very difficult to <laughs> Let's find. argue. Yeah. Uh, my argument <laughs> is that it's very difficult to find high-profile ex-cricketers who want to be selectors. And, um, yeah, I'm not sure who the next person will be if they do um, find a, a replacement. But I thought Mark Waugh, you know, um, had a good, uh, good brain for it. And I I liked how outspoken he was. I mean, we. It want was a
2: blow to journalism. Yeah, <laughs>
1: like it, was, I, I loved really it good. how he'd just yeah. get on the commentary and speak his mind. And yep. you know, he's the most honest guy in cricket. I yeah, I thought he, his contribution was good. Um, he, he was only commentating on on the Big Bash, and obviously now expanding to commentate on Test cricket as well. Perhaps maybe may have compromised him a bit more, and also compromised his time a bit more. But you know, I didn't have a massive problem with him being a T20 or a, uh, selector and a,
0: and a T20 commentator. I didn't really have an, have an issue with that. I don't think it's a good look for the selection panel to have a public commentate, someone commentating while being on the selection panel. Trevor Holmes, Greg Chappell, they never speak in public about players unless a team is announced and then they give a, a good opinion. So I think it's probably better for the selection panel if... They don't have someone commentating. I admit it's great for us and we all love hearing the things coming from the selection panel and Mark Waugh would let things slip because he was just in front of the microphone for so long things come out. Well, I think that there's
1: other communication issues with selectors other than people getting on a broadcast and saying mm-hmm. stuff. I mean, players have issues with other aspects of how they communicate with them in private. So I don't think Mark War commentating was the big, biggest issue that the selection panel has. And I mean, by his own admission, it's probably a bit of an awkward position to be in, and he probably did say things that perhaps he shouldn't have. But I don't think it's hurting anyone.
2: Why do you have to have secrets? Why shouldn't we know what the selectors are thinking? Why Why shouldn't the thought processes be out there and writ large? I mean, not just to the players involved. You know, you're hopeless outside off stump, or you know, you've never bowled anything outside. Uh, of I guess stump. the
0: issue though is if if say Mark War says something about Glenn Maxwell, but hasn't said it to Glenn Maxwell first, so you're hearing it from
2: the newspapers or the it's commentary a, box. <laughs> yeah, I guess there is that, but that happens quite often now.
0: But I guess the other thing about Mark Waugh stepping down is England have appointed Ed Smith as a selector and he's building a team of scouts. Now surely the, uh, Pete's just fallen under the desk. He's, <laughs> um, but do you think Australia needs something like that, a system of scouts um, to support the selectors?
1: Well, certainly uh, I think Pat Howard's idea of how things should run is – that the coach should be the man most responsible and perhaps there would be a selector alongside him, but that you don't need a team of selectors. You rely on the people you have in each state.
0: I and have a problem with that because of state biases. I mm. don't think that is a good way of running. You have a natural bias to support players in your own state. It needs mm. to be taken out of state hands. That's, true. that's agree. true to
2: a degree. But
0: mm. you- no, no, sorry. I, I think that's
1: a fair point, Manus. But um, logistically, it's a tough job for Cricket Australia um, to, there's so much cricket being played now to kind of keep tabs on where everyone is and all that kind of thing. Um, yeah, it's difficult. And like I say, uh, good luck finding another selector who had um, Mark Wall's profile.
2: Yeah, and uh, the problem is finding somebody who can be at that much cricket to do that job. I mean, you've got to be paid a lot of money to go and watch that much cricket to do that job, or you find a guy who... Or a woman who who is seeing that cricket anyway. So that's why I think using the commentators sometimes is is a, is a reasonable shortcut. I mean, there's quite an issue now in cricket, and it's not just with selectors; it's with state coaches as well. Is that you actually can't afford the people who would be best for the job? Mm-hmm. They've lost the best coaches to the IPL because I mean, in eight weeks they can pick up twice what they get paid for doing what is a eight month job in Australia, and so. Similarly, you drop down to the selectors. That's a hard job. You've got to show up all the time. And uh, there was one morning there when, um, and in fact, I think we w- recorded the podcast that day, in your car, Menace, at Hurstville Oval where Mark War wasn't, wasn't there and a journalist ran Cricket Australia and said, you know, there's no selector at this game. It's kind of an important game. You know, there's Bancroft, Marsh, the whole Australian team, which sometimes called New South Wales, uh, playing. About two and a half hours later, you saw Mark Wall get out of the car, slam the door, and walk past the journalist and say, Thanks, mate. Because he'd been at home watching it on the TV, but you know, you need to be seen to be there, so it, it, it's quite demanding on your time. That job,
0: yeah. I just think with the $1.2 billion TV deal, they can sink some money into a full time selector, a couple hundred K, bang, there you go, just
2: one, but. Well, one full-time selected to... One can't be at three state matches. No, but same, you have one with the system
0: of scouts. One with a system of scouts. Okay, yeah, yeah, that could work, yeah. amenas would be an excellent scout. All right, now, <laughs> that was the introduction. Let's move wow. on to the week...
2: Be a long show. Uh, yeah,
0: yeah, like, you know, <laughs> two hours. Let's get into the week in cricket headlines, brought to you by the Australian... And I urge you all to go on and sign up to The Australian on the digital platform. You do have to pay for good journalism now. That is the way the internet is going. So don't be slow. You can read all of Pete's stuff at The Australian. Good good ad. There we that go. That was good, yeah. Off the cuff. All right, let's get the first bit of news. Bill Laurie has confirmed his retirement. Certainly the right time at 81.
2: Yeah, well, what was he going to do? It was a bit late to start another job, wasn't it, with Channel 9 going? And he last, was it about three seasons? I think he'd only been doing about one. Sydney and Melbourne. Sydney and Melbourne, mm. because his wife ha- his wife hasn't been well and she's not a big fan of cricket and there's some bitterness about the way that she and he were treated in the past. Do you remember his Alan Border medal speech? One of the great AB medal speeches. I urge you all to go and find it. Bill was outstanding, not being the clown that he often, well, you know that clownish caric- caricature that he can be on Channel Nine. I do to miss him. It was always it was always exciting to go down to Melbourne and see. In the past three years, when you know after Tony had died and Richie had died, seeing Bill, you were going, oh, you know, last of the Invincibles mm. in a way, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know,
1: yeah, great, yeah, gra- yeah, uh, yeah it's so great to see him around the the box. I mean, yeah, it's sort of I remember once seeing Richie Benno walk through the corridors at the SCG and it was one of the only times in my life I reckon I actually have been starstruck. <laughs> Did you cry? No, no, I just, you know, like normally, um, you know, you sort of see cricketers and sports people walk past and you don't really yeah, yeah. pay much attention, but when you, when I saw Richie Benno go past... Uh, oh, yeah, that I, was,
2: I, I, I stood next to Viv at the urinals once.
0: Mm, 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 uh, I am... Um, <laughs> I don't I don't know how to expand on that, but um, just the last yeah, thing about missing. Bill Laurie, he was great. <laughs> uh, he was great at the urinals. I don't think I, I've, I've you know I think this is the right decision but, for Bill to make because uh, I think Foxtel and Channel Seven would have been desperate to get him on even oh, just yeah. for one or two tests because he, he, he would have given them sort of that yeah. rollover from Channel Nine. That's uh, I don't mm-hmm. know what the word is gravitas maybe.
1: I, th- I think they both did inquire about his uh, services, but. I got the impression that Bill Laurie probably would have been quite happy to, to hang up the microphone a few years ago. And he's sort of, you know, he's kind of loyalty to Channel 9 and all that kind of thing. He's been happy to do the Melbourne and Sydney test. But, look, I don't think he's, he needs to see any more test cricket. And, you know, the, no. the, he, the, net, the only network he's ever worked for has lost the rights after 40 years. I think it's the right call. He
2: was, he, and don't underestimate the effect that Gregie's death had on him. You know, they were very close. They worked together very well. And, and, and he, he was really upset by his death. And went, you know, when your mates start leaving the room, you don't really want to start walking back into it. Last time I saw him, I tried to convince him to write a book, and he wouldn't. And I actually had a publisher um, ring me this week saying, can you get Bill to write a book? And I said, I wish we could. So if you do see Bill anywhere abouts, encourage him to write his book, because he's got some great stories. I mean, it would be a really good cricket book.
0: Right, the other news in the commentary circuit, this is a, a lawless scoop. Warney went God, to Foxtel and joining Warney at Foxtel, Mel Jones, Issa Gua, Mike Hussey and Michael Vaughan. I'm happy with all of those. I do like my, Mike Hussey, but I don't know if he's got, I wouldn't say no sense of humour, but he has very little sense of humour and no cynicism at all in him. He's straight down the line into cricket, which I respect. Maybe he could
2: get Sybil to work for him some days. Have you you know Sybil? No, no, no. Uh, that's um, that's Mike after dark. A very entertaining character. Really? Yes. After a few beers, he he has an alter ego called Sybil, and oh, that's right. He's up on tabletops. It's he's like dancing. Chris Rogers, he's crazy. loud. He's funny. Yeah. I think. Is he's he fun. got that sort of mean cynicism to him, or anything, or is mm. he? Sybil doesn't. No. Okay. Oh what. I, does. I don't think it's hard, to, uh, it's hard for us to comment on commentators because we don't hear them. We right. see them in the back of the yeah, box, right. but yeah, we don't hear them.
1: Um, I think Mike is a very good uh, analyst of the game yeah, and, and also sure, sure. not afraid to give an opinion. I know he uh, ruffled a few feathers in Melbourne last summer when, um, when uh, they had the microscope on England and what they were doing to the ball. So, yeah, I was always a bit surprised that nine. Got rid of Mike Hussey,
0: so I think it he, will be a good picker. What about the Warren-Gilchrist dynamic? There's a
2: little bit of press <laughs> about that. I think it's oh, so overblown. What a beat up. They're the they're <laughs> best mates. Didn't you see the photo in the weekend's paper? Yeah, they, 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 they were like standing next to each other yeah. in it. Go on. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, Gilly yeah. took more dismissals off Shane Warren than Ian Healy.
2: Yeah, and I think that's, it was pretty much a one-way street. Gilly doesn't care. He's not, mm. he's not going to be worried by Shane. And, and Shane actually has got such a thick skin in the end. Mm. Yeah, he doesn't but care. But I, right. I, 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 I think on. it adds to, adds to the dynamic, yeah, if anything. Just I just
0: mean, needling each other yeah. and arguing. It's mm. good. That's what you want.
2: If they did, yeah. You don't want them to be too chummy, do you? I mean, Pete, mm. I'm
0: a bit wondered. worried about your friend, Punter, Pete, uh, Ricky, Ricky, Ponting, Pon- Ricky Ponting, all alone yeah. at Channel 7. He's uh, got a couple
1: of mates there now, I think, doesn't he? So yeah. Who else he you got there? Michael Slater. Damien Fleming?
0: Yeah, I don't think any of these have been confirmed yet, yeah. have they? No, all sort of in haven't the pipes. been. But, uh, Jimmy Brayshaw mm. looking to sort of consolidate his work at Channel 7. Maybe ben, Horn, yeah. ben Horne. Ben Horne. You heard That'd it here
2: excellent. first. Um, well, yeah, well, <laughs> the, look, Ricky Smart. He, Ricky knows where uh, the gold is buried, and by God, he's getting a lot of money for that gig.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I heard north of 600k per year.
2: Yeah, and how many days work do you reckon he's doing well? He's not doing the whole series. No. Right. He has scooped the pool.
0: And what about Ian Chappell?
2: If you uh, if you get a job at Channel th- 7, you'll actually have to contribute to his wages. You won't be getting paid.
0: <laughs> Happy to. Ian Chappell, where do we think he'll go? Last one. Do we, will he stay with Channel 9? Because, again, 7 would be... He would be 7, wouldn't he?
1: I wouldn't be surprised if Ian Chappell ended up in radio. ABC. Um, yeah, hmm. I think, he'd, yeah, I think he'd be yeah. a very good asset on the
2: ABC was he uh, doing radio last year for Triple M, was uh, it? Macquarie. Mac- well, they've got and, the... R- and okay. I think
1: Macquarie are going to buy some rights, so yeah. he may end up staying with them. But, yeah, Pete and I have discussed, I think Ian Chappell would be an excellent addition to the ABC. I think he'd, he'd really, um, you know, really add something Is that to high profile coverage. enough for him,
2: though? He, no. Well, he fits. He's pro-refugee. But yeah, <laughs> refugee rights. He's very yeah. strong on that. So he'd fit in the But he ABC. just loves...
1: Like, like show like, and, uh, Pete throws in something unexpected. Ian Chappell loves cricket, and he loves the game, and I don't think...
2: Mm.
0: He'd be too
1: concerned about... um, I actually think he's better on radio than TV. Yeah, Mm.
2: and the ABC have got concerns because how long can Jim Maxwell go on? I mean, they've got some very good young commentators who are going to make names for themselves over the years, but they do need a little bit of that sort of gravitas, Mm. that brand, you know, the brass plates. Mm. Ian brings that, doesn't he?
1: Well, not to mention Chris Rogers now has a coaching gig with Cricket Australia. Um, Simon Kadic has coaching gigs um mm. he's going i
2: think he's gonna commentate yeah um, unless he has to do the cpl doesn't cross it no the yeah. what about
1: the south african thing
2: possible yeah
1: um if but anyway yeah i mean they may have a couple of spots to fill is what i'm saying and um i think yeah Van and chap will be very good
0: all right now let's move on from the commentary circuit to australia cancelling and i put in inverted comma cancelling hosting bangladesh in the top end this winter for a two test tour now, I follow cricket very closely. I never heard once that Australia were intending on hosting Bangladesh. I know it was in the FTP, but I would say that it was it was never going to happen. Well, I'd heard, I'd heard of it. They were. It was definitely sort of there as something
1: that might go ahead. Um, I think this is probably. I mean, there's a fairly long list um, at the moment, but this is one of the more ordinary things that Cricket Australia has done in a while, mm. in my opinion. Uh, you know, there was a lot of jumping up and down about India not wanting to play a day-night test here and to sort of, yeah, basically cancel a, a tour with Bangladesh in the same breath is um, hypocritical, to say the least, I would have thought. And, um, you know, I mean, this argument about it wouldn't have made money, I mean, I mean, firstly, Cricket Australia should be able to absorb that. And secondly, do you not think that Fox Sports wouldn't buy the rights to broadcast cricket in, you know, that time of year? i I'd be surprised if
0: Cricket Australia couldn't have found a, a broadcaster, but perhaps yeah, I'm it would have been perfect. It could have given some players a bit of experience heading into the tour of the UAE or if, wherever it mm. could be. Could have been a soft entry for this new team after South Africa. Could have been on Foxtel or the ABC. Could have broadcast it, uh, but instead, and instead, we haven't what hosted Bangladesh for almost fifteen years.
2: I've just got a text here from Cricket Australia. Um, <laughs> that these texts are just, It's fantastic, isn't it? Um, do you need it? Charger? (laughs) Is it running out of battery? Very hot. Smoking. (laughs) And Cricket Australia maintain that this decision was reached last year, that Bangladesh were on board with them. They claim, and who am I to doubt, that Bangladesh agreed that they wouldn't be competitive in Australia and they're better off. And I said, well, they beat you a test ago. Yeah, yeah, but that's in their own condition. So Bangladesh are happy to play tests at home against Australia, but were just as happy not to play them this time around, and and that Bangladesh were on board, and they now they were saying that this uh, Chowdhury, is that his name as uh, seems to have forgotten why they came to this agreement. I'm a little bit cynical because if you did have that meeting and come to that decision last year, why didn't you tell anybody? Uh, you're just telling us now, and I've just been handed by the statisticians some very interesting, um, a pretty interesting breakdown on where. And who and how Australia play cricket, and gee, it's no surprise to anybody that in the last decade, 33 of the 57 tests have been played against three nations. That's England, India, South Africa. How many have been played against Bangladesh? Two. Bloody it's, disgrace! It's it is. It's an absolute bloody. Disgrace. I feel robbed
0: of two tests. Now that we're talking about. No, sorry, it, I feel this, robbed is, sorry, of two this tests. is at
2: home. I'm sorry. My uh, the statisticians just pointed out I've got this wrong. This is of the home test. So we played 57 tests at home, 33 against three nations, none against Bangladesh, three against Sri Lanka, six against the West Indies. And if you go back 20 years, in the past 20 years, we played two test matches against Bangladesh. You've got to support the smaller nations. I don't care. If you say they're competitive or not competitive, they proved to be competitive in one of the two tests we played against them. And you only have to look at uh, how how good it was for cricket. Pakistan fronting up to Ireland and playing a game of cricket. I know the schedule's tight, but you could have put in that too. And as you say, you shot yourself in the foot by cancelling it because that would have been perfect to get this team that's in disarray back together mm. and have a little bit of an off-Broadway warm-up. Absolutely,
1: you know? yeah. And I mean... You can't really blame um, the Bangladesh head honcho for uh, now having a look at the Australian team and thinking, oh, perhaps um, perhaps that would have been a good tour. No Smith, no Warner. Mm. possibly. Spinning no tracks up north. Cummins. I
2: think I'm told that in the next FTP, they're not scheduled to play Australia at home anyway. So, you know, it's kind of weird, isn't it? Mm. Very weird. All right, last cricket headline. Now, I had a...
0: Very upset Queenslander come into my cafe last week and tell me that I had not mentioned once on the podcast that Queensland won the Sheffield Shield. So, so Anthony, if you're listening, I don't know if you remember, but the biggest story in cricket happened when Queensland won the Shield around the same time as Sandpaper Gate. But yes, Queensland ru- won the Shield. Great for them on the back of... Great performances by Renshaw, (laughs) Nisa, Wildermouth, Joe Burns, Brendan Doggett didn't dog it. So great performance by the Queenslanders. Beat Tasmania in the final, but it was slightly overshadowed by Australian cricket melting down.
2: James Sutherland was doing a press conference that night in Johannesburg in a hotel. And I started, I was wondering why there were messages appearing from Australian players ahead of his press conference, uh, uh, state players, Ahead of his press conference, I think. They've got up at 4am to watch James's press conference. God, these guys are really into this story. Then I spoke to one of them on the phone. Drunkest men alive. It was the night the Sheffield Shield final had finished. They are all out on the turps. On the turps. Trying to follow it with one eye. But there you go. There's a little anecdote from the tour. Yeah, and then Uh, two of those, Renshaw and Burns, would have gone straight to the airport. Neither of them were the drunk ones. I would have believed that. They were on the losing side, the drunk ones.
0: All right, we're gonna take a quick break. Before we take that break, I just want to let the listeners know there is a great promotion running at the moment with news. So if you're in well, if you're in Australia, go to your local news corp paper, Daily Telegraph, Herald, Sun, Korea Mail, Adelaide, Adelaide Advertiser, Hobart Mercury, and you get a free Samsung tablet if you sign up to subscribe to that site so if you do that you get all of Horn some of Lawler's stuff even appears on the News Corp main sites you'll also get Crash's stuff really is the best way to keep up with Australian cricket so they're saying just search news tablet promotion in Google and that'll take you there that's a pretty good deal isn't it free tablet free tablet yeah Yeah. that's why I'm doing it it. and they haven't even asked me to do it but it's such a good
2: deal and if you're going to a festival later you might be able to get that tablet checked (laughs) um all right so we're going to take a quick break while uh, about
0: a week and a half ago actually the three of us Ben Pete and I caught up with Nathan Lyon outside the SCG after his recall to the national ODI and T20 teams so here's a bit of our chat with him and then we'll be back with the rest of the show
3: what was the message last night that uh, you picked in the one-day stuff, um, and that's just a great opportunity for you to push your claim for the World, Clu- World Cup in uh, 2019. And it's it's not it's well documented that I want to play all three formats uh, cricket for Australia, and um, that's my goal, and has been my goal from for a very long time to to get this opportunity, and be included in the squad, and 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 to head over to England to where the World Cup's being placed, and uh, that's that's going to be uh, a massive advantage, and hopefully. Uh, if get the opportunity to go out there and, and perform really well, but also alongside Ashton and Agar in the squad, just make sure we're training hard and, and preparing well and, and with the mindset of the World Cup in, the, in next year as yet.
1: Nathan, you had a, a lot of success in the Ashes against England's uh, left-handers in particular. Can you have that, you know, can, can that, that same those same strategies work in one day cricket?
3: Uh, yeah, I hope so. My biggest thing is bowling, going out and bowling my best ball. Um, and I believe if, if I bowl my best ball consistently enough, um, hopefully you can do some damage or, or limit the runs in ODI cricket. Obviously you've got to be a, a lot smarter and a lot, I think probably a lot quicker on your feet in, in the shorter formats than what you do in test matches, but uh, it provides a great opportunity. Um, they've got some world-class players with uh, Morgan, Stokes, Butler, Root, and these guys, so it's it's going to be an unbelievable challenge for Australian cricket side, but it's uh, exciting one. Nathan, would you like to, like to be Canadian test vice-captain? Uh, test vice-captain? Um, it's not on my radar, no. it's. It, I, I'm a big one for, for believing you don't need a, a um, label to be a leader, um, so... But if, if the opportunity come there, and I wouldn't say no to it if I was there, can help Tim Payne out. But I'm pretty sure I'll be able to help Tim Payne out without having a VC badge on my shoulder. So um, I'm, I'm pretty comfortable with where I'm sitting in, in the test side. Obviously the uh, most experienced one there with most games played. So if I can provide some uh, assistance to Tim over the next 12 months, it's going to be uh, a yeah, massive help to him. What was the response like when you got back to... S- to Australia from South Africa? The public were pretty heated up at that point, weren't they? Uh, I've been out and young, so t- to be honest, uh, not much went on out there, When mm. and they, they were just pretty excited to see me back with mum and dad. So uh, yeah, no, it's, it, is, it is what it is, and it's a good chance for Australian cricket to move on, and a good chance for Australian players to really rebuild the trust and faith of the Australian, Australian public and uh, earn back their respect.
0: Welcome back to Cricket Unfiltered, the News Corp Cricket podcast. I'm here with Ben Horn and Pete Lawler, and that was Nathan Lyon uh, talking about a week and a half ago about his recall to the national white ball teams. Firstly, Pete, I have to apologise. I sort of spoke over you there asking a question and – you know, when I'm in those press packs, because I'm a very short man, if I don't speak really loudly <laughs> and, and just go for it, hell for leather, I never get a question in. So I'm
2: sorry. I My, I, I would hate to speak over you. I think he was pretty <laughs> offended for memory. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no, you're now good, the mate. question: if you, I, if you don't stick to your question, someone's just going to walk over you. Especially so me, fine, I, mate. Yeah. Especially all those tall people. Well, I did ask Nathan Lyon who
0: will be Test vice captain. What do you think, guys? I think he's someone that should be talked about. Most experienced player, doesn't want the captaincy. I know he's not that really strong personality, but I think sometimes you want the quiet people walking out in the background doing some of the stuff. So I think someone like Nathan Lyon might be a good test vice captain.
1: Yeah, I'd have a few ahead of him probably. I'd have um, Cummins, Marsh, and Hazelwood uh, ahead, I think, Uh, and possibly Kawaja if he's in the team.
2: Yeah, I, I wouldn't discount him. Yeah, he's. Uh, I, I probably eighteen months to two years ago, I would have said no, because I think he was a really anxious guy. You know, I was looking running up to the running up to the wicketkeeper to ask how he was bowling all the time and those sorts of things. He he's a different man now. He's much more confident in the way he goes about cricket. Why not? Good. I don't reckon fast bowlers should be anywhere near leadership. It's too yeah. hard. Yeah. You get fast bowling makes you stupid. It really does. It's just <laughs> such hard work. I mean, I mean it's hard to think and bowl fast mm-hmm. and uh, yeah there's thousands of examples of that out there
0: and not only that you do get your blood going when you're running in and bowling fast you can lose get a yeah. bit of the red mist in those big spells so and also you know fo- bowlers come much? in and out of the side more so you know they get little niggles and miss a test here or there um that's why i think someone like nathan lyon would be a good fit
1: yeah i mean I, I, yeah i'd it's, I'm certainly not knocking um, Nathan's credentials for it but I mean I, I can't in terms of personality I can't go past Cummins and um, and Mitchell Marsh mm. I just think what they bring to the table I mean how much tactical work does the vice captain need to do I mean if the captain gets injured perhaps he make a different decision but I think you know if you wanted to elevate someone
0: to a Leadership position,
1: I, mm. I, yeah, I, I really like what Cummins and Marsh offer.
0: Who's going to go around the dressing room and give someone a pat on the back if they need it, or give someone a bit of a quiet word about lifting their game? You know, are Cummins and Marsh, those characters. I think a whole
1: team does so, that, don't
2: they? Uh, depending on where you're at, there should be a few people in the team that can talk to it.
1: M- Marsh, yeah. like they're both Marsh and Cummins are both, and again, I'm not making any comment about anyone else in the team, but Cummins and Marsh are just. Decent guys, I think, and I, yeah. I
2: think... Um, Very popular, aren't they?
1: Yeah, yeah, and I think that they, you know, certainly they're, they're mature. Marsh has had to do some maturing, but I, I think those guys are kind of at the level that you want for a vice-captain, as in stepping up the leadership ladder and perhaps someone they could invest in for the future. But I do take Pete's point that the chances of Pat Cummins actually captaining that team... Uh, small. given he's a, he's a fast bowler. So it depends what you want out of your vice captain,
2: I guess. And the other thing is that uh, the new coach has already made his thoughts clear, really, by making, um, what's his name, Young Marsh the uh, captain of the state side mm. when he was a coach there. So he sees something in him, doesn't he? Mm. I mean, whether Paddy Cummins pushes past him or not, I don't know. But clearly, JL likes his leadership potential. You wrote a really interesting thing, Ben, like you do most of the time, um, all <laughs> of the time. Uh, it, it it it's an interesting reflection on Usman Khawaja that he never got mentioned mm. in leadership discussions yeah. mm. and where he's at and what people think of him because he probably, well, I don't know, would he? Would he make a good vice-captain? He's a captain of Queensland, isn't yeah. he?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, yeah. granted he has spent a lot of time in international cricket the last couple of years, but, I mean, he seems to have done a good job in Queensland. I mean, yeah. they, they like him up there and they, they've had some success with him on the field and they've continued to have success when he's left as well. So, yeah, I mean, I I think Kawaja would be a good choice, but I was just going to say the major issue that Australia has is almost all of their candidates are either fast bowlers or not guaranteed their place in the team. I mean, even Mitchell Marsh, as as good as he was in the Ashes, uh, he's now got another injury. I mean, he still needs to cement his own spot, as do all these other guys that they mentioned in in Mm. the one-day format. Uh, and as does Kawaja. I mean, I think Usman Kawaja is in serious danger of getting dropped for the next test. So, it,
2: Isn't that an interesting reflection on the uh, top five batsmen? Mm. That none of them have their spot nailed down and can be mentioned as sort of in the leadership group. Mm. Mm.
0: Lots of decisions then to be made for the selectors. <laughs> All right, let's go on. It's got what? a bit
2: Mick Jagger there with your microphone, didn't you?
0: <laughs> oh, I am rocking it up here. Um, you've got a bit Mick Jagger this whole podcast, Pete. All right, let's go to the next segment. Uh, the podcast's own decision review system. So there's been lots of proposals in world cricket. We are going to give them the green or red light. We probably won't all agree on this, but let's start. The ICC future tours program has been formed for the period 2019 to 2023, a big change. The 2021 Champions Trophy is now a World T20 tournament. Now, Australia have a World T20 in 2020, and a year later, there's another one. Doesn't that take the gloss off our tournament? You know, we'll win the tournament, and then six months later, we'll lose it again.
1: This is news that's just coming to me now, but um, (laughs) I... I agree that it's weird. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know why they would do that, but oh. that's the ICC for you. I think they think the Champions I mean, Trophy is which it is and they should have realized that probably 5 years ago. I'm not sure why we had the last Champions Trophy, but um, they should have had a World 2020 that year.
2: Pete, do you do you think it's a bad idea or you Yeah, forced? bad idea. Yeah, <laughs> the world needs less international, fewer international T20 matches. Okay? It's the, a domestic game.
0: one one, one and, year after each other just doesn't make yeah, sense. It's just silly just telling team anyway rights. you know
2: it's it's basically like the sauce it's like a sausage sale outside the hardware shop for the ICC isn't it that tournament it's just it's just a way of raising funds for the ICC yeah so. exactly
0: next one the test championship is to kick off in 2019 and run for 2 years with a final starting June 10th Australia playing someone that's June 10th 2021 uh, sorry Australia might be playing someone they proposed to have the first two finals in England but i think one one of the finals should be the SCG or the MCG. There's uh, no India-Pakistan Test clashes in that first cycle, which is a disappointment. But the Ashes in England in 2019 will be the first series of the Test Championship. So, what do we think? We really need this Test Championship.
1: Well, just on the point of the final, I mean, it's really hard for an Australian ground to do it because it's uh, it's Aussie Rules season. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, that's going to be difficult, but. I like the idea of the final being at Lords. Yeah, like, good
2: luck finding a pitch at the SCG or the MCG in the middle of the year, mate. The MCG ones, someone's put it out the back behind the stands, and they're gonna have to look for two weeks to find it. And the SCG ones under like thick grass. I was
0: telling, I was seeing Ben a message yesterday that I struggle to watch the Swans games be, at the SCG because I see them running on the pitch the whole time and I get upset. So.
2: That's happened for a hundred years, Andrew. I know. That's it's the it's upset me my it whole life. It is part life. of the natural order of things. Yeah, and it's upset me my whole life. But it's better okay, than well, drop-ins. They can dig it out if you want. No, it's yeah. better than
0: drop-ins. It's better than drop-ins. Oh, okay, so God, do we like the Test Championship? Uh, I
1: think so. I mean, you know, let's see how it actually works uh, when it's put into to practice, but... In theory, I think it does add a bit more context to to certain series. Um, it's kind of a bit odd to think about The Ashes or India or a big series like that fitting kind of into a bigger framework. But yeah, I think in theory I, I do like it, but it's I can see it being a bit of a rabble as well because as Pete was touching on before, I mean... How many times are we going to play certain nations? Like, mm. how's it all going to work? It's um.
0: So it's the top nine it's a tough test. Tough one, but I like it. I like it
1: that they're trying to do something. Yeah, to, and they play six series. It's the top nine, is it? Yeah, the top nine play yeah. six
0: series over the two years, and then every two year cycle they'll play a final.
2: Look, it does. <laughs> That's just s- like Test cricket, isn't it? The tournament takes. Two years. Two no. years, yeah. Um, so you know that India aren't playing Pakistan? Yeah, Has that no... been announced, has it? Because I correct. know that it's all been pencilled in. And re- I, I, I saw a fixture late last year. In, I think that was at, at, that was at the start of November, and three weeks later I saw another one. So I don't know how many times it's changed since then. I certainly haven't seen the latest ones.
0: Let's see what happens with that one. The other idea <laughs> is to scrap... The other idea is to... There's a bit of inside Jono talk here. One of the proposals with the Test Championship is to scrap the toss in Test cricket. So the away side has the choice of batting or bowling, and that is to nullify the home advantage. I don't think this is the way to do it.
2: I agree. I agree. Because, you know, home advantage usually means juicing up. Well, when home advantage means juicing up the pitch, you get great, great matches, don't you? Like those three-day games in India that are just (laughs) a feast. It just seems a bit awkward. Something needs to be done. I don't know what it is. And it's not just Australian whinging on this topic. I used to be a little funny about it. And the last time Australia played in India, I was talking to Darren Lehman. I said, look, in 2004, you guys, you used your three seamers, your spinner, you bowled these lines. We've gone away from that. We have to, and he said, "Have you seen what's happened to the pitches since then?" Is every year we come back and they're worse, mm. and then cop the same thing in Sri Lanka around that same period where they doctored those wickets and those those kids beat Australia three nil. So, but I, I can get used to the idea of an away win being, except in countries like Australia and South Africa where they're not so rare, being as rare as hen's teeth and, and really coveted. So that you know, that win by Steve Smith's team in India last year, was it? That was the first since 2004. And winning a test was so damn exciting because no one had done it for 13 years. So it kind of makes winning away really valuable. It's really boring when you go to England and, you know, they doctor the wickets to, to to stop Mitchell Johnson or something like that, because you really do want to see fast bowling, don't you? Mm. Yeah.
1: In, in um in baseball, I only know this because a few years ago, uh, Major League Baseball brought a game to Sydney, and they had a essentially a pitch, or not a pitch doctor, like a whatever that whatever that's called, like a dirt doctor, curator.
0: <laughs> yeah, the dirt man, and they had to and fly the dirt in. He was like
1: a season. scientist, it's a or dirt something. bag, and he and he. It was his job to oversee how the um, fields were prepared in other countries. I mean, I don't know how big the ICC's um, resources are, but perhaps if they host another couple of Champions Trophies, they'll have the money together. But why can't they employ like an official to go with the match officials who's actually in charge of working with the curator on the pitches? Ahead like time. A, an independent in first, person. Yeah. Just like they should have an independent doctor who can actually get people off the field if they're concussed. I don't think the ICC takes enough responsibility for their own product and Good point. I think I think unless they they've run out of money or something I mean I can't see why you can't have a pitch person go in advance before each tour happens work with the curators and and come to a level where we're actually going to see a pitch that works for the independent observer, not just for one one team or one side.
0: I agree. That's what I've written. ICC need to be tougher on pitch preparation and perhaps the nation should take more responsibility of providing better teams to play in the warm up games. It's all really easy to throw out some really inexperienced players to the opposition before a test and give them little or no practice, but you know, when we when we go to their country they'll do the same. So I don't know if we should take a more holistic approach and try and make the warm up games a little bit better for the team so when they play that first test they're a little bit more acclimatized. Australia
2: have been appalling on that in recent years. Yeah, they really they've a actually used against it as a New tactic. Zealand the New Zealand one yeah. I really haven't enjoyed what Australia's done in recent years. It's just not a sense of fair play about that. All
0: right, next change coming out of the ICC, that all T20 international nations have been given full status now. So I went through some of the T20 nations, and should a T20 match between... Say Hungary and Mexico have the same status as a T20 match betw- between Australia and England.
2: Are they the best players those countries have got? Why not? And what? And, what, and how does that affect a match between Australia and England? Disagree with me, Ben. I, I have just a don't, first. I don't have care. a first. I don't care. Yeah, I don't care. If right.
1: Hungary and Mexico play each other, I don't care.
2: Yeah, I'd probably watch actually.
0: I would. I'm half Hungarian, so I would definitely watch. Are you? Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. That's why they got mentioned. No, I, uh, no, I did go through and the list loved, of and all me guess, the... you t- love Mexican food. I do, actually. The <laughs> Um I agree with you. I think it's great that they've all been given full status, and I think T20 cricket is the way of growing the game globally.
2: Don't these podcasts work better when everyone's in furious disagreement?
0: Yeah, but it's got to be real.
2: it got to be real. Okay, be oh, real. Right. okay.
0: okay. Um, last, well, I'm, I'll tell you what I'm really annoyed about. Virat Kohli has chosen to play county cricket with Surrey, over a test match against Afghanistan. I hope Rashid Khan bowled Afghanistan to victory and India are the laughingstocks of world cricket. That is an absolute joke. I agree, but I got
1: less angry about it when I heard that Australia wasn't playing Bangladesh in test matches. But theoretically, I think... We're angry
0: right. at all. I'm angry at both, though. We can mm. be angry at everyone. Yeah, I, I think that's pretty poor... From, uh, from can you imagine, an, oh, say Steve, when we played Bangladesh 15 years ago, can you imagine Steve Waugh going at the time, oh, I'm not going to play this game, I'm going to go and play for New South Wales to get ready for the proper games. I mean, that's so insulting.
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess Pete would know better than, than uh, me, but I guess Indian cricket just operates by different standards, and, you know, I don't think Virat Kohli going to really be judged for that in his own country, is he? I mean, it looks kind of scandalous to the rest of us, but um he's not being will be if they held lose. to the same criticism as as perhaps Steve Smith would be in a in a uh similar circumstance.
2: Oh yeah the Indians are, can be pretty critical of their own but uh yeah it's weird it, it would be much better wouldn't it if he played. I get why he's not but jeez uh, jeez a consistent cricketer isn't he? Like you know when Smith I always say Smith hands down best test batsman in the world. Then AB crawled out of his grave recently and maybe start to doubt myself. But Virat, what about that consistency across formats? I mean, I'm not a good stats man, but I think he averages 50 in every format. He's an extraordinary mm. cricketer.
0: He's like a phenomenal one-day player. He's yeah.
1: got a face
2: you just want to slap, but, mm. but, but My thing is, how ex- I don't mean that yeah,
0: definitely. Yeah. how exciting yeah. was it when we saw Ireland break into... Test cricket last week against Pakistan, and now Afghanistan are breaking into test cricket, and he doesn't even want to be there. So just, mm. it's really, I think it's a, a th- it's a bit of a finger to the game, really, from Virat. I'd love
2: to go to Afghanistan to cover a test match. That would be a fant- fascinating country. I think it's been
0: played in India, but... Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, but if... I want to go to... It uh,
2: doesn't matter. I want to go.
0: This, this man will go anywhere for cricket. <laughs> like he will go
2: anywhere. Oh, well, man after gotta, my own heart. You gotta go. Try everything once. I won't finish that sentence.
0: All right, guys. Well, I think we'll end the podcast. It's been a great week. So lots of news on the podcast. Let's go through it. Firstly, big feature interview coming next week. I sat down recently with Erin Holland, uh, former Miss World, who has been presenting at the IPL. So really great insights into the IPL and get to know a little bit about Erin as well. Did she play cricket? No, but she's a massive cricket tragic. She's, her partner's a famous cricketer. So she's, she's, she's very cricket.
2: Yeah, I'm not saying that you have to have played cricket. I was just wondering if she had. Yeah, but Not sure she hasn't played. Yeah, no. She's a very good commentator.
0: Yeah, she's, she's a great broadcaster. That's next week. Ben, you're off on holiday for a month. Bon voyage, heading to the States. Are you excited? Very excited
1: indeed. Not so much
2: excited about the flight, but... Um, oh, with a kid. Yeah. <laughs> hey, mate, probably up the front end of the plane. If your survives a flight with off. a baby. They take the kid off you up the front end do of they? the plane. Yeah, they do. You'll be right.
1: Yeah, so no, it'll be great, Manners. Catching baseball in New York. Hope so, hope so. Yeah, the two New York teams are playing each other while I am there,
0: so I'll try and get along to that. Excellent. Hope we'll catch up with you when you get back.
1: Certainly. Yeah. Thanks for having us again, Manners. Always a pleasure,
0: Pete. You're going to London, as we discussed, London and the UK to see the One Day Tour.
2: And I don't want you to think that anything's going on, but I might even drop over to New York to see Ben on the way back.
0: Wow, fantastic! You go to the baseball together. Yep. And did uh, you like
1: that? Or,
2: hey, I'm only going just to make sure you don't get a story. So how an long? Exclusive. <laughs> <laughs> Lock you off, mate.
0: We'll see him following Steve Smith around Brooklyn or something. I did hear that Australia was looking at possibly um, signing Derek Jeter to take over from Steve Smith. Really? Mm. Yeah. Did well, he just sack the journalist because he wrote some things not very nice about his? team in baseball so it wouldn't mm. be good for us
2: smithy was seen at a hotel in williamsburg that's got very nice views of manhattan island it's a good pub we'll go there mate
0: well listeners thanks so much for downloading another episode of cricket unfiltered remember <laughs> please trying to put me off remember rate and review the show on whatever app you listen to the show on and i'll be back next week with Aaron holland